0: Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org.
1: Today is Friday. It's the 9th of February. This is here First from IPR News. I'm Grant Gerlach. Lawmakers in a House subcommittee have advanced a bill that would combine the state's mental health and disability services systems. Governor Kim Reynolds' bill would take the state's 32 different substance abuse and mental health regions and create seven new behavioral health districts. They would be under the Department of Health and Human Services. DHHS Director Kelly Garcia says the proposed plan would streamline services that have a lot of overlap and make it easier for Iowans to get help.
0: As part of our assessment work over the last seven months, we have heard from thousands of providers and they've told us that our system is cumbersome. We see it on the back end, too. And so this this bill really does take a huge step forward to cure that issue.
1: The proposed plan would go into effect July 1st of next year. No one spoke out in opposition to the bill, but several people expressed concerns about its timeline and funding structure. A bill that would allow city councils to strip library boards of their power without letting residents decide on changes at the ballot box is advancing in the Iowa House. IPR's Katerina Sestarek reports.
0: Library directors and board members from across Iowa spoke out against the bill at the statehouse Thursday. They say the legislature should leave the current law in place, which requires any big proposed changes to library boards to be put to a vote of city residents. Wade Dooley, who chairs the library board in Albion, called the bill a train wreck. It opens
1: up all sorts of possibilities for very disastrous consequences if you get an activist city council that starts seesawing on what they believe. For a library to be or not be. Our city council has barely any training to be a city council. Now you also want them to run a library. I'm sorry, but that's not a good idea. This bill should be squashed."
0: Republican Representative Carter Nordman of Panora advanced the bill. He says he's heard from city council members who want more direct control over spending and personnel decisions at libraries.
1: Another bill in the Iowa House would call on the state's top education official to lead a comprehensive review of state standards for K-12 schools. The bill says the director of the Department of Education should report back with a plan to, quote, return to the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic, and U.S. history. It also calls for eliminating social-emotional learning and critical race theory, although critical race theory does not exist in school standards. State lawmakers would be part of the curriculum review committees, but Dave Doughton of the School Administrators of Iowa says the bill should be specific about involving other experts.
0: While legislators have a completely great knowledge of how things work in the legislature, they might not have a great knowledge of Algebra too.
1: The same K-12 standards apply to public schools, charter schools, and private schools accredited by the state. While nearly all of Iowa remains in drought, recent snowfalls followed by unseasonably warm weather helped recharge soil moisture in many areas. State climatologist Justin Glisson explains the cold snap in January actually helped.
0: That extensive snowpack that we had insulated the surface from freezing or getting much below freezing. So as we did melt the snowpack, we saw a lot of infiltration of shallow moisture into the profiles versus running off into our streams.
1: Listen, made his remarks to the Iowa Farmers Union. He says many areas, especially in eastern Iowa, are short a year's worth of precipitation over the last four years. Number two ranked University of Iowa women's basketball notched another win last night, 111. To 93 over Penn State. Caitlin Clark scored 27, but it was Hannah Stolke who put in a career high 47 points to lead the Hawkeyes to their 22nd win of the season. Clark is now within 38 points of the all time NCAA women's basketball scoring record, with their next match coming up on Sunday at Nebraska. This is Here First.
0: This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation. Fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer.
1: To meet the country's climate goals, the United States must transition away from energy and industry sectors that produce a lot of carbon dioxide. Lawmakers have supported projects to do that, like pipelines to sequester CO2 or distribute hydrogen power, and now pipeline proposals crisscross the Midwest. But as Eric Schmidt reports for the Ag and Water Desk, past experiences, along with a lack of clear regulation, has left farmers and landowners resistant to more projects.
0: On a balmy day last October, Kenny Davis walked through a recently harvested soybean field on his property in southern Illinois. He points out what looks like a railroad tie sticking out of the ground.
1: See that right there? That's a big chunk of wood, and I think it's going to be a mat. Yeah, that's a mat.
0: Davis says it's leftover debris from years earlier when the natural gas company Spire built a new pipeline through the middle of his property. They used wooden platforms to support the heavy machinery that installed the pipeline, and he says they left parts of it in his field.
1: See how big a chunk that is? If that would have went
0: through their combine, they'd have done some damage. Davis isn't the only one with damage along the 65-mile route. Further south, Ray Sinclair says the pipeline construction altered the slope of his soybean fields, causing water to pool. This green spot over here is a wet spot that we were not able to plant this spring. If that wet it had frogs in it. Sinclair says others have lost productivity too, with some farmers along the route saying their yields have been cut in half. The Illinois Attorney General is suing the company for the damages. Spire disputes the claims. As frustrated as Davis and Sinclair are with Spire, they say government regulators failed to hold the company accountable.
1: The rules and all the regulations are all there, but that's just just for looks.
0: Rules like returning the land to the way it was. The feds have said natural gas is a stopgap for the clean energy transition, but Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth says the damage is a wake-up call. The spire situation has proven how much we need to update pipeline rules from regulators. Somebody has to be watching and checking up on what these companies are doing. And now more pipelines are coming to carry CO2 for sequestration and hydrogen as a replacement for natural gas. Many are getting huge tax breaks from the Inflation Reduction Act. Tara Rigetti is a law professor at the University of Wyoming who focuses on carbon sequestration. There has been a collective choice to go down this path. Pretty much all of the modeling shows that carbon removal to some extent is going to be necessary. She says big emitters like ethanol facilities, chemical and power plants need pipelines to connect to places where captured CO2 can be stored. You can't pump the gas underground just anywhere. It takes a certain type of geology. The best places are along the Texas Louisiana Gulf Coast, Midwest, and Great Plains, often not right next to large polluters. Rigetti says that means the current 5,000 miles of CO2 pipeline could grow tenfold. Really long. Pipeline networks that sort of spider web connecting all sorts of sources to different sinks. She says that initially means construction in mostly rural areas, but these projects have been a hard sell. Last year, Navigator CO2 scrapped its plan for 1,300 miles of CO2 pipeline across the Midwest. And operations of Summit Carbon Solutions' 2,000-mile network have been delayed by years after North and South Dakota rejected the company's permit requests. Jared Bosley is a fourth-generation farmer and rancher in northern South Dakota who has fought the pipelines.
1: I mean, we're filling rooms with people, and the consensus is just no. We don't want it. Proponents say
0: the CO2 pipeline projects would extend the life of the ethanol industry. But Bosley says it won't directly benefit farmers, and they shouldn't have to give up their land.
1: You get absolutely nothing from this CO2 thing.
0: Rigetti, the law professor, says that's understandable, especially for a new technology. Why should they be bearing those risks personally if they don't have any you know, individual benefit from it or use of it as well? She says communities where this infrastructure passes through should benefit from it, like getting a share of the billions of dollars these projects stand to generate. In St. Louis, I'm Eric Schmid.
1: This story is a product of the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk and is being distributed through Harvest Public Media. That's here first from IPR News. I'm Grant Gerlach. Have a great weekend.